What's going on, sons and daughters? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on what time of day you are tuning into this episode with Dwight Vick, the man, the myth, and the legend. I think Dwight embodies everything that it means to be a, a Virginia Tech Hokie. I mean, the man is an ambassador for the program, the football program at large, an ambassador for the school at large. Uh, this episode was so much fun. Sam Jesse, host of Locks of Saturday podcast, uh, sat down with me to interview Dwight. Thank you to Sam. Uh, we had so much fun with this with this episode. I swear I say it every time. It's like, oh, this is one of my favorite episodes. This was one of my favorite episodes. I think Sam would agree with that sentiment 100%. Really excited for y'all to hear this. Uh, as always, the Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends down at the Main Street Pharmacy. Go down there, see Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts. You are a neighbor, not a number. Proud to... Uh, Proud to partner with local businesses like the Main Street Pharmacy, who have been so good to us ever since we started this thing. A few quick updates. Speaking of the Main Street Pharmacy, spring game week, you'll you'll be able to go down there and pick up the Champs of Brooklyn pins. We hope to see everybody rocking those on Saturday, April 16th. Maybe get your pin and rock it at the 3.2 for 32. You know, that could be cool. And then... uh, First uh, first Celebrity Spring Jam, we have partnered with Davon Morgan, a former Hokie great, and, uh, and McLean's Blacksburg. Tickets are going to be $10 at the door, cash only. This is going to be on Friday, April 15th. Uh, a lot of special guests are going to be down there, a lot of former Hokie greats, Hokie legends, and uh, we couldn't be more excited about it. Uh, we'll, call, we'll call it a trial run. It is our first time doing this, so... Um, without further ado, y'all, sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, grab a cold drink, and enjoy the next hour and a half with Dwight Vick. What's going on, sons and daughters? It is bright and early on the West Coast. Sunday morning coming down, 8.06 a.m. on the East Coast. It is 11.06 a.m. I am Grayson Wimbish. I am joined by Sam Jesse, host of the Locks of Saturday podcast. And we have a very, very special guest today. Dwight Vick joins the show. A little bit about Dwight Vick for those of y'all who don't know who he is. Dwight Vick is a 1999 graduate of Virginia Tech, where he played offensive lineman under Frank Beamer. Vick was a team captain and received all-conference honors while helping to establish the blue-collar, hard-nosed identity that Virginia Tech became known for in the later 1990s. He's a husband, he's a father, and he is the founder of the Victory Life Foundation, which was founded to empower middle and high school students to develop the necessary life skills needed to achieve their academic and career goals. He is the host of the Victory Life podcast and the Vic 757 show, where he talks Virginia Tech football with his younger cousin and fellow Virginia Tech standout athlete, Michael Vick. Dwight, welcome to the Sons of Saturday, man. It's an honor to meet you, actually, you know, I, I, I guess say, I would say virtually. Uh, we've never met before, but welcome to the podcast. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm great, man. Um, it's an honor to be on, man. I'm, I'm like, you know, I've just been looking forward to this all week, man. I was honored when you reached out. I've done some stuff with Billy and 
I, I follow you guys and subscribe to all your work, man. So I'm just happy to be on, man, and, you know, talking, sharing my truths and my insight and my perspective, man. So I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. So let's start this. I, you know, I always love to go back to the beginning because I'm, I'm just always curious about these things, uh, especially with any student athlete that played for Virginia Tech in the 1990s. Um, right before you arrived on campus, and I believe it was 1994 when you got to campus, the narrative of Virginia Tech football was not exactly, I don't want to say it wasn't positive, but it wasn't what it is today. Why did you choose to attend school and play football at VPI? Yeah, that's a, you know, um, that's a great, great question, Grayson. Um, you know, at the end of the day, man, um, you know, it's just more so Beamer sold me on the fact that he was building something. Because you got to understand something, too, man. That's actually a great question because younger fans and followers of Virginia Tech have no idea how Virginia Tech was essentially irrelevant. You know, it was one of those things where um, Virginia Tech was not the program it is today where you know, we're a household name, you know, we, the lunch pail wasn't around, uh, Beamer ball was not a term. Um, it was pretty much, we were trying to build something. Um, they had only been to one bowl the previous season in 93, where the bowl streak started at that time in the Independence Bowl, the window over Indiana. Um, but essentially, man, it was just one of those things, man, where um, he was recruiting the state heavy. Guy by the name of Ken Oxendine, the great running back, Marcus Parker, Derek Smith, Ty Washington, um, Tony Morrison, who was a legendary football and basketball player at Indian River High School, uh, two sports stars, same high school that Malonzo Morning was going to, was coming to Virginia Tech. But at the time, we all knew we were being recruited. And we were, we, at the time, we were one of the best recruiting classes of Virginia Tech history when we all signed. But before all that happened, I just was looking at my options. And I had a lot of options. I was ranked fourth in the nation by Sporting News my senior year. So I was looking at, like, okay, Georgia Tech, uh, Florida Gators were on me real hard. I didn't really want to go that far away from home. Plus, I don't really care for all that heat. I love the sun, but I wasn't trying to go down there, man. You know, my mom's from Florida, but she's from northern Florida, Jacksonville, Florida. So I, my dad wanted me to go to Florida, and he also wanted me to go to NC State. I had a lot of options, man. But honestly, guys, with something about, you know, Coach Height and Beamer talking to me and selling me on the fact that, I'm going to get you some degrees or degree. I'm going to graduate you, but you're going to have to, you know, have to play for me and play hard. But I promise you, we're building something special. And it was also one of those things where I really enjoyed the fact that UVA was the premier program and UVA was recruiting me hard too. Um, I liked UVA at the time. I respected them. I was a big fan of Sean Moore and Herman Moore, the great quarterback receiver combo. They actually, when I was young, uh, my freshman year in high school, they were ranked number one in the nation in football. So a lot of the guys from my high school were going to UVA, but I've always been one to take my own path and create my own journey. And I, I, I chose Tech, and subsequently it opened the floodgates to a lot of guys from the 757, a lot of the guys from Hampton High. You know, I came there. Obviously, you guys know about my cousins, Mike and Marcus. Um, you know, Tyrod Taylor went to my high school. So Tyrod, I've known Tyrod since he was a little kid. So Tyrod's dad, is my big OG and Tyrod is, you know, my young OG. So Tyrod knew me. So I came and Tyrod came, Daz Newsom, no, excuse me, Deion Newsom came, Myron Newsom, his father came. So I was the first Hampton High player to sign with Virginia Tech in 94. The last one to do it was not a guy by the name of Leslie Bailey in 1985. So think about that drought and think about what I did in opening those floodgates. 
And, um, you know, I'm glad I chose tech. It, it, it's funny now, man, you know, when I got the tech, we weren't sponsored. I don't even know we were sponsored by any shoe company. We might've been just starter, you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, and then like my last few years, we got Nike on, we were so hyped to get that Nike swoosh on our jersey. We weren't in any video games yet. Video games was EA Sports was just starting to do the NC2A stuff. So the first couple of uh, seasons of it, episodes of it, the game, we weren't on it. And then we got on it, we were siced. Um, and it was just great to see myself on the video game. It was great to start going to those bowl games. But looking back, man, it was rough times, man. You know, they were doing the Merriman Center and recreating the weight room. We That first year we had a weight room, the first years, two years, and it was like a dungeon. It was an old weight room. Like something from the longest yard, uh, and then on top of it, um, it was also one of those things where when they were building a new weight room, we had to lift weights outside during the summertime, bro. So imagine lifting weights, the bars hot, you outside with your shirt off, looking like you're doing a 10 year bid in Blacksburg. But it was cool though, man, because we knew we were doing something special, man. And uh, looking back, I'm glad I made that choice, man. It was, it was just, it's still some of the best times of my life. And you talk about how you were building something special. And I want to ask about like, when did you know, okay, this is just not a, a good recruiting class coming in, winning a few football games. We're actually building a program this season, this 95 season, let's say it isn't a one-off. And I guess, how did coach Beamer help facilitate that and keep you guys level-headed? Because the 95 season uh, didn't start out too great. No, Beamer is... I've said this many times. I'm going to say it again on your show, especially because I know you got a great audience. Beamer is a once in a lifetime coach. You won't see the Beamers anymore. You won't see the Coach K's. You won't see the Roy Williams. You won't see the Pat Summits. You won't see those men and women anymore. You'll have great leaders emerge. They're great coaches right now. They're great leaders right now. But you won't see a Beamer anymore. And he was able to master the art of allowing people to be themselves yet respect them and they respected him. So we had a wild bunch. That coach and staff back then was crazy. And in 95, uh, when I say crazy, let me back up. When I say crazy, I'm talking like Bud Foster wasn't even the deepest of coordinator at first. He was a linebacker coach. We had a guy by the name of Phil Almation, who is one of the greatest defensive minds in the history of college football. He was absolutely passionate. Um, I learned so much from him and not even play defense. I mean, his philosophy was if we stop him at the goal line, that's great because we get a chance to stop him again. I mean, he was passionate. You had Rod Sharpless, who was the co-defensive coordinator with Bud Foster in 96 uh, when Almation left, excuse me, in 95 when Almation left after the 94 season. You had J.B. Grimes, who was an SEC coach, very similar to the guy we have now in Rudolph. Um, very, very intense, great coach. Um, Stein Spring, Coach Bustle, Billy Height, the math guy, one of the best recruiters and coaches in the history of college football. Great offensive mind. Just, we had, you know, we just had great coaches, Gary Tranquil. But in 95, um, it was just one of those things. Bustle had just returned. And the coaching staff, they were great, but the leadership was even better in, amongst the players. 95, I'll be honest with you guys, man. We started that season off. Into, we lost a tough heartbreaker um, on Thursday night to Boston College, 20 to 14. I think one of the Hasselback brothers be this. I, by the way, I don't know. I think th all three Hasselbacks went to Boston College, bro. So, like, we lost on a Thursday night. And, you know, back then and even forever, 
Virginia Tech was just, we were always really good on Thursday nights. We kind of got that thing going for ESPN. We were the ones that embraced that. And we lost at home. Um, and then the following week, we played Cincinnati, a team we were favored, should have beat them. It was a rainy, cold day. We lost 16 to nothing. And I'm sitting there as a redshirt freshman, like, bro, I'm looking around. I'm like, man, we might not win a game. It was just crazy because we practiced hard. We were locked in. We knew we were really, really deep and talented. We had just talent on offense and defense, arguably the best defense of Virginia Tech history, J.C. Price, Cornell Brown. Uh, Hank Coleman, all those guys, Billy Connolly at center, Chris Malone, Jay Hager. I mean, Dwayne Thomas throwing it back. I'm going on. Torian Gray at safety, Antonio Banks. And we were losing. And I was thinking to myself, man, you know, Beamer has been here since 87. But if he doesn't get this thing going, you, you, you're kind of thinking, man, you know what? Is he going to make it? And then I remember in the locker room, man, with tears in his eyes, J.C. Price, the coaches were standing right there. It was after we lost to Cincinnati, we in the locker room, and he just says, let's stay together. Don't, don't blame each other. He just gave a, a very passionate speech. To I mean, he just stood up and said it, and then, you know, everybody kind of got the team break, and we went home that day. And then that, that Friday, um, we had a team meeting, a players-only meeting in the hotel. Back then, we stayed at Radford for home games. And um, he... Uh, excuse me, Jim, Jim Barron and J.C. Price specifically, and the seniors, but specifically Jim Barron and J.C. Price, we had a players-only meeting and everybody cleared the air. And it wasn't like a situation where we had to clear the air and come together. We just had that conversation about what we had to do to win some games. And I remember Jim Barron and J.C. Price were like, we're not going to lose another game. And I was sitting like, bro, we got Miami coming, man. This is back when they were the U. This is Ray Lewis. This is Miami, they were ranked top 15. Virginia Tech had never beaten them, ever. I mean, when I look back now, it would be a great movie. You know, one of those, uh, you know, Netflix movies or series because, I mean, there's so many storylines within that year. But the 95, I, I stand by this. And you guys know I'm not that old man, get off my lawn, where I hate the new generation. I love these new guys now. But in particular, I stand by this. The 95 season is the most important season in Virginia Tech history. Because you beat Miami for the first time. And it's not like we blew them out. We beat them 13-7. Lauren Johnston, a freshman that year, has the batted down pass in the end zone. We run the table. And the Big East was really good back then. Donovan McNabb at Syracuse. West Virginia was really good. Um, you know, Boston College already beat us. They were tough. Pittsburgh was tough. Still tough like they are now. And we ran through everybody. And we get and we play Texas in the Sugar Bowl, man. And the story never gets old. Because that was when Texas was Texas. They had Ricky Williams. They had a guy named um, uh, James Brown, a quarterback, crazy name, but he was a good quarterback. Um, just, just, just a great team. And Texas had that arrogance, and we beat them. And we finished in the top 10. Uh, we won 10 games that year. Also, we beat a very, very good UVA team, probably their best team in UVA history, to be honest with you, because they had wanted to share the ACC. And UVA still at that time was considered the better program in state. And I actually enjoyed the fact that we were able to beat a great UVA team because I'm from the era where UVA and Tech were always ranked and always relevant. Um, and we beat them in Charlottesville. And they had the Barber uh, brothers. Um, you know, they had Paul, uh, yeah, Paul London at safety, Farrier at linebacker, Tiki Barber at running back. Um, uh, Mike Grow was the quarterback, Al Grow's son. Um, just, just, just great players, man. 
uh, Byron Tweak, so many guys, I, you know, I could go on and on, James Kearney, or Patrick Kearney, excuse me, Antonio Dingle, but we smashed them. We came back, we beat them, man. It was one, it was a great comeback and a miracle season, but 95 was just special. 95 will always go down, man. And looking back, you always wonder, you know, sometimes I think, what if we only won like four games that year? You got to think there was going to be changes. And even though Beamer's the Hall of Fame coach, he's one of the GOATs, you wonder, man, if we don't make that run, does he stay? You know, you never know what happens. You know what I'm saying? Shout out, uh, shout out Antonio Banks for that pick six uh, at the end, at the end of that UVA game. Uh, and, and I think any Virginia Tech fan would agree who knows anything about like the history of Virginia Tech football. I mean, that that season was the one that put us on the map, uh, brought us to national prominence, winning that Sugar Bowl over Texas. Uh, and so, um, you know, Dwight, I, I would say Virginia Tech. Sam and I are lifelong Hokies. We kind of know the history. Virginia Tech has been known for its family ties uh, for as long as I can remember. I think of the Fuller boys, the Edmonds yeah. brothers, the Warren brothers, the, the Grimm brothers. And I think of Marcus and Michael. I think of the Vic brothers. Uh, and your unique case, it expands to the cousin family ties. Yeah. Uh, your final season playing in maroon and orange was in 1998. Your cousin Michael redshirted that year, little known facts. Were you disappointed that you never got to play snaps with him under center? Is that something that y'all had ever talked about before? Talk about it to this day, man. Uh, you know, I graduated high school at 17. So when I got to Virginia Tech, I couldn't even sign my papers. They had to mail my stuff home like I was some foster child. You know, it was just like, you had to mail my stuff home. So I'd always tease my mom and dad because they put me in school early. So I technically should have came out in 95 and Mike and I would have played together, meaning high school in 95. But, um, you know, obviously everybody that follows me knows the, the bond and relationship and the closeness Mike and I have. We talked about, you know, if I had played with him, um, we, we would have won that national championship game against Florida State. Uh, we talk about we would have had a great time in the NFL. And, and, and to your point, Grayson, that's a great question. People talk about the brothers, but there's a ton of cousins that have played at Virginia Tech along with brothers. I'm one of uh, several, the Vic family. But um, and as you as you as I mentioned earlier, when you asked the question about coming to Tech, you know, I recruited Mike Hart. I remember seeing McNabb talk on te- television one time about how he couldn't he never understood why he landed. He couldn't land Mike. And I was screaming at television like, because of me, man, because of me. I got Mike, man. I was able to get him, man. And it wasn't even hard, too, because I sold him on the fact that I was like, and this is an article, and I will post it on Twitter if I haven't already. I think I have a while back. But I told Mike, if you come here, you will take Virginia Tech to a national championship game, and you will be in the running for the Heisman. I told him that on his visit. I also told him that we had a lot of guys. We were young. You know, Corey Moore was a year behind me. We had a lot of talent. And we had a great quarterback in Al Clark, but he was my year. And I was like, you know, you come here, man, you got a chance. You know, Dave Myers was a good quarterback. Um, but, you know, Mike was being re- recruited by hard by Syracuse. And keep in mind, there's this misconception that Mike was like underrated. Let me tell you something. That's when the rivals and all those publications started to come out in the late 90s and early 2000s. Mike was ranked in the nation, top 10, top five. He just was overshadowed by one of the greatest high school football and basketball players of all time in Ronald Curry. 
Ronald Curry was the national Gatorade player of the year in football and basketball. And him and Mike were in the same district. And then a few years before that in the Peninsula District, you had Allen Iverson and Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks played for the Saints and he went to UVA. I played against him. He's the same year as me. So during that time period, you had Aaron Brooks and you had uh, Allen Iverson, who was a quarterback and played every position on the field. And a few years later, you had Mike Ovick and Ronald Curry. Then you had, years later, Taj Boyd and Tyrod Taylor. And it goes on and on and on. So there was a generation. I can't forget about my guy, Marcus Higgins, who went to UVA. So it was always a great quarterback or quarterbacks battling in that district. So Mike was overshadowed because he was playing against one of the GOATs in high school, Ronald Curry, who won three state championships, two national championships, and one basketball championship, who was also MVP of the McDonald's All-American game, was also the dunk contest winner, and was recruited heavily by every school in the country. And Mike was just over in Warwick, Newport News, Virginia, doing his thing, throwing up touchdowns, throwing darts. And I knew he was special, and I recruited him that way. And it did help that we were related. It did help that we had a bond, and it did help that Virginia Tech made him comfortable. And he just saw himself there the same way many guys before him and after him did. And Beamer just knew how to play upon that. And I've always said that that's one mistake the previous regime did in Fuente is that they missed the boat on connections and relationships. I felt like if you kind of have relationships with families and even kids at certain schools, you get the next one coming up. Well, you'll be in the running heavily. And, um, you know, I know, you know, Marcus was controversial and whatever, but on the field, he was a dog and he was a baller. And it's just one of those things where I wish things ended differently. But, you know, as far as football talent wise, you know, I always joke um, Coach Beamer, when I see him, like he owes me some kind of stipend or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I love I love Beamer for that. I love the fact that he uh I love the fact that he recognized that Mike was the one to go after and not waste a lot of time with Ronald and other quarterbacks. That was a smart move by his part. Dwight, I, I could sit here and talk tech football history with you all day. Um I, I love it, especially, you know, those late 90s teams and all those personalities. But let's look forward a bit here. There's a new coaching regime in Blacksburg. What are you looking forward to most this spring as spring ball is kicking off here? And have you had the chance to, to meet and talk with anybody who's come in recently? Uh, talk to Pride briefly, Coach Pride via text. I know when I get there, I'm going to see him. We, I've been on some Zooms with him. Um, talk to Pearson a lot. That's my teammate. Shout out to Pearson Prelo. Um, JC is my, my big OG. I did a radio show with him and his wife, and his wife was on my podcast. Um, so talk to some of the guys I know. Jerry Ferguson, also now back in Blacksburg as a strength coach, played with me. Um, so honestly, man, Sam, I'm just, I'm excited. I'm not going to get emotional, man, but like, I'm, y'all got to understand something. I love tech. Like, like, I can't wait to get back. What I'm looking forward to is just seeing how this team comes together. Um, the recruiting, there's an the energy around it. There's a euphoria, euphoric feeling around it. Um, I just I just feel like, you know, Pride's going to get this thing right. I can't give you an over-under on wins, but I'll say this. If you look at the Coastal right now, and God forbid, you know, I look ahead, it is March. We're talking Final Four right now as far as what we're looking at in the sports world. But when you look at Virginia Tech, the the upcoming season i don't fear a team in the coastal there's no team i mean unc just lost a generational talent in their quarterback um sam howell 
Miami's always loaded, but how many times have they been underachieving since the ACC expanded? Forever, okay? Boston College has always been a thorn in our side, but if we play to up our level of expectations, we should beat them. Um, you know, again, UVA, it, UVA should have beaten us several times in the last few years, and they can't do it. So imagine now we have a, a, an identity and a great coaching staff. I just don't see – I mean, they're always going to be our rival game, but I think the players always get up for them. Um you know, Pittsburgh just lost, you know, a bunch of talent, another great quarterback in Pickett. Plus, they had like 14, 20-year-old, 24-year-olds on that team. So they lost a lot of guys that were 60 year seniors. Um, the point I'm getting at is I feel excited about this team and this program again. I think that it's funny, man. I used I had not missed a spring game. I think I went to like 16, 17 straight spring games. And um, with all the stuff that happened in the, in the previous regime with cancellations and, you know, different things like that, I just, I lost my love for it. I didn't go and didn't want to go if they were even having it. And that, that breaks my heart because that was always a big thing for me, whether I was doing radio that weekend, the free game show, just seeing alumni and friends. Um, Virginia Tech is a big part of my life. So when I look at this upcoming team this season, I'm excited. I am curious to see what's going to happen at the quarterback position. I feel like the quarterback position has to be right. Because um, if you look at it, I've always said the O-line, D-line are the most important positions in football, especially on the collegiate level, really on all levels, but especially collegiately. Because, you know, regardless of your quarterback, whether it's my guy Grant Knoll or a guy like Hendon Hooker, if you have a great O-line and D-line player, you're going to be in every game because they set the tone. And I know Rudolph's going to have those guys right. Uh, I think we're going to be more physical. We had a lot of third and fourth and ones that we never really got pushed on. A lot of times we got sent back. And I'll be like, gosh, we just are not pushing the pocket like we should. We're not moving the line of scrimmage. I think that returns. Um, I don't care who the guy is. I, I like Brummeister. Shout out to Brummeister. He played his ass off, hurt, injured. I think a lot of times he was put in some tough situations. But I have a lot of respect for that guy. Obviously, it's been well documented. We missed the vote on letting Quincy go and Hendon Hooker, but you know, God bless them. They're doing well. We got to move on from that. If 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 what's his name? Uh, Blunken, Brunken, Brun. Uh, what's his name, guys? Brumrick. Brumrick. If he's the guy, I hope he's coached up. I just think that's to be have a quarterback that can make plays, not in the sense of Brian Randall or Tyrod, but manage the game and get us in position to win games. We have running backs. We're going to have some good receivers. I think we're not done in the transfer portal. I heard Pratt say at a press conference that there's going to be attrition once the spring is over, which always happens because some guys are going to realize they're not part of the plan moving forward, so they're going to have to leave. I get that, especially in today's game. But I, I, the biggest thing I want to see is what kind of identity we have on offense. I feel like defense, we went from the lunch pail and I think, you know, Justin Hamilton gave us a sense of that in his own right with the hard hat mentality. But the defense has always been Virginia Tech's calling card. But it's time for us to evolve and be more consistent offensively. And I'm curious to see where we are with that because, again, not to be repetitive, but I just don't see anybody in the coastal that we should be afraid of. Georgia Tech is still rebuilding. I mean, and we beat them last year and we were up and down last year. So, you know, you never know with ODU, we got them coming up to start the season. You go down there, you know, I know longtime tech fans like me, and I raise my hand first. I'm anxious and nervous <laughs> because we're clearly the better team. But how many years has that been? Even when I was at tech, but 
you win that game, get some momentum. You got a favorable schedule. You got West Virginia Thursday night. That'll be in front of a national audience. So I'm I'm excited though, guys. I'm excited about this spring, but we got to get that quarterback position right, man. Um, you can't win games on any level without a reliable and consistent quarterback. You talked about how you're not going to put a over under on wins for this season. I kind of agree with you. A tech fan probably shouldn't do that this year because there are some favorable matchups. The coastal isn't strong. Uh, you have non-conference against old dominion and Wofford. So, you know, maybe not the best year to go solely on wins. How should Hokie nation judge this team then? What should they be looking for in games and, you know, during spring game or something that, can say like, okay, this team, this program is being pointed in the right direction. That's a great question, Sam. And I'm glad you asked that because that's what I do every year, especially this year, I'm going to do it a lot. If we look prepared and if we have an identity, you know, many times in previous seasons, a lot of times after awful bye weeks or, you know, a, a great win. We you know you beat Florida State on Thursday. I mean, on uh, whatever night that was in Florida State in Tallahassee. And then we come back and we lay an egg against ODU. Or um, we have a great win um, against whoever, against UNC this past season. And then a few weeks later, we look lost in the sauce. We just look like we don't know who we are as a team. Um, I, I feel like if we play with purpose and passion and we execute – you know, many times you could, you're going to lose the game, but if you lose by a field goal, if you lose by a touchdown later or a questionable call, but your team played well, you don't feel bad. You, you're upset. So, for example, take it back to the year, our first year in the ACC, and we're opening up with USC. When Pete Carroll was there, they had superstars. Reggie Bush, I was at the game at FedEx. It was rocking. And I'm talking about Virginia Tech fans will – we were tailgating. We took over the entire DMV. I saw guys hanging off the ledges. People were just going crazy. USC fan was sitting beside me, and he was scared to death. And you had that questionable offensive pass interference call against Hyman. And, and you know, and then um, Adibi went out with the pectoral tear, and Reggie Bush got loose. We lost 23-13. But we, were, we owned them that night until late in the fourth quarter. I knew then we were going to be in, in a good chance to win the ACC. We started off two and two. We had a tough loss against NC State. But you knew when Beamer said, you know what? I'm going to let my young receivers lose. Brian Randall got loose. You felt good that we knew what we had, even though we were a young team in our first year in the ACC. I kind of take it back to that year and this year, and comparatively speaking, that I feel like if Proc can get, he might have a tough loss or, or a game where we should have won. But I feel like if we see, okay, this offensive line, they know what they're doing. We don't have those mysterious false starts or penalties where we're not lined up right, or we run uh, the same play after a timeout and after calling a timeout, or we have a critical mistake in the red zone or a bad defensive penalty where we have too many men on the field, then you'll know, okay, this team is well-coached, well-prepared. And most importantly, guys, this isn't a sexy answer, but I say this every year, leadership. If you look at every great or even very good Virginia Tech football team, they got great leaders. They got great leaders. You know, um, Greg Stroman and Isaiah Ford and, and Wyatt Teller, they were great leaders. You know, Tyrod, Brandon Flowers, they were great leaders. Um, you know, you go back, I mentioned in my time, J.C. Price, myself, great leaders, man. You know, Corey Moore, great leader. 
you can have the leadership. That's not something you're going to see in, in, in um, the Sporting News Magazine or Athlon Sports. It's not something you're going to see rated because you can't measure it until the season kicks off. So another question you guys should be looking at or, or an assessment we should make early on is, even in the spring, who are our leaders? You know, who comes to that podium and says, we're going to be fine, like Logan Thomas did. I remember Logan Thomas, they were talking about the, you know, the game against UVA when we were both playing for the Coastal, David Wilson and company. And Logan Thomas looks and says, I'm glad we got a big game. We need a big game around here. I want to be in this game. And they went down to Charlottesville, and UVA was really good that year. And they smacked them 38 to nothing. And I said, good Lord, Logan Thomas wanted all the smoke. Remember he threw that real, that back block on the guy, knocked him out. I mean, Logan Thomas wanted all the smoke. And that's that leadership you got to have. Ask yourself last year, who the hell were the leaders? Who were the leaders? Now, Trey Turner is my guy, but he's a leader by example. I love Trey Turner. And I, and God bless me, I, it looking like he's going to get a deal. You know, but at the end of the day, it can't just be one guy. And you're going to have guys that's going to lead by example. But we need more leaders. And we need more goons and more dogs. We need more Ronyo Whitakers. You know, we, we need more guys that's going to take on an entire stadium on the road and get you going. And you're going to feel like, you know what? I believe in that guy. You know, we need more Vince Halls. We need guys that are going to take it on personally that's going to say, you know what? I want Virginia Tech to be back on the map. I want to beat this Miami team. Make no mistake about it. When Virginia Tech was beating Miami all those years, those Miami teams were really good. But we had dogs and we had leaders, and we felt that our brand of football was just as good and to some degrees more better or better, I shouldn't say more better, better than theirs. So I'm looking for that, Sam. I'm looking to see who emerges as leaders, who's our quarterback, and what we should be seeing is do we have an identity? Are we a reliable football team? Like reliable means this. When we play Walford, you guys should go to the bathroom or if you're there in person and come back and we should already be up 14 nothing. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like not, you know, you know I mean, how many times have we struggled? And I'm like, bruh, yes, I gotta sir. go. I'm, I'm trying to go to this party later. And we're up seven to three against the University of Richmond. Yes, you know sir. what I'm saying? We need games where you're like, yeah, I'll be there early. We'll probably be about 40. We need more of those, you know, against the inferior opponents, you know, and that starts with leadership and preparation. That's real. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, real. I agree with you. Tech hadn't had a good blowout win in a while. And I think that's something that, you know, we'll be looking for is how they take care of those teams that they should take care of when they do play mm -hmm. the better teams. Mm -hmm. Are they up to snuff? Are they, if they're going to lose a game, Lose it because the other team was better, not because you were worse. And absolutely, um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see how they kind of handle that dynamic. And uh, let's talk about, you know, those are the guys on the field now. Let's talk about the former players now and kind of what they're doing. You guys, you, you alluded to it previously. You guys have had some, you know, virtual Zoom meetings and stuff as former players, but the current coaches. What has come out of those meetings and? Do you feel like those alumni relations within the program are moving in a positive direction? Oh, man, listen. Yes. God bless America. Coach Pry gets it. <laughs> Y'all don't understand. Y'all don't understand how refreshing it is to be respected. To be respected. Like how I jumped on your show. I respect you, Sam. I respect you, Grayson. Like if I see y'all this spring or this fall, I'm going to give you guys a hug. We're going to chop it up, take a picture, because I respect you. Respect is so 
important. It's essential. It means, you know what, I remember what you did. I remember when you played. I played in 1997, an entire spring season with two broken hands because I will die for Virginia Tech football in the university. And many guys that came through that tunnel feel the same way. And Pra understands that he was there in 95 when that great run started that gave birth to a dominance of decades in Blacksburg in the surrounding states. And that's what it means. Those, those Zooms, you're seeing guys from 72, 99, 2016, and they're still getting more people involved. Uh, one of the things Pry said is, you know, and him and Mike Burnup on there and Pry and them were saying, you know, we're going to have, we want you guys when you're in town to come sit in our meeting rooms, come be on the sideline, talk to the kids. They're going to do a legacy football camp where former players can help out with recruiting and talk to kids and, and help at different stations and drills. Um, I can't dive into everything. I don't have any notes in front of me, but Honestly, I was probably just so overwhelmed because I'm looking around like this is how it's supposed to be. This is how it used to be in regards of just being able to come home. You know, you can't have this as home and DJ Parker can't even be even allowed to go into the indoor practice facility. And the guy doesn't know who he is. That's DJ Parker. Did you see what he did on the road against Clemson? Legend. Macho Harris. Macho Harris had a 101 yard kickoff return. And DJ Parker almost pick six. The guy. pick six. Pick six. That's DJ Parker. You know, it it's just important to get those guys back in Blacksburg. Will everybody be back every weekend? No, but it needs to be something, a culture where those that have been before the new guys understand that they're welcome. And the Zoom meetings, they and, and they're not they're not fake. It's not manufactured like a politician talking about vote for me. I'll get your schools free lunches and roads paved. And it's not that kind of a party. It's more so, hey, man, we want you guys back. J.C. Price put his phone number in the group chat. Call me. You know, I don't care who you are, when you, when you play. So um, it's exciting to feel connected again. You guys know I'm, I'm like an unofficial VT ambassador. So a lot of guys reach out to me, man. And, you know, I'll say this. It wasn't so much guys hated Coach Fuente or Brad Cornelson and those guys, it was more so like frustrated that they didn't get it and they didn't allow us back or didn't want to connect. Um, how are you not following former players on Twitter? Um, how are you not knowledgeable about the players that were even there in 2007 and 2010? You know, um, you gotta know and do your, your, your due diligence. I, my longtime friend and teammate and brother, Lauren Johnson, the great high school head football coach at Holland Springs. He said when he first took the Holland Springs job, he was an outsider. And the fans there and the alumni were very skeptical because he was not only from an outsider from Virginia Tech, he grew up in Dade County in Miami. He said he spent that entire spring and summer going around to barbershop, churches, schools, youth football games, shaking hands and talking. He also read an entire book on the history of Highland Springs, so he knew about their program. If you go to Highland Springs now, Lauren Johnson is a god, okay? He's a god because they love him. And you look at, you know, the previous regime, you didn't even see commercials with the coaches on. You didn't even see any billboards. You didn't even see their names on those mom and pop restaurants. There was no menu with the, the Fuente special. 
And that's what I was disappointing because relationships are everything. And I wanted so bad, just for the record, on Sons of Saturday, I'm going to say this right now. I wanted desperately for the previous regime to succeed. I did. Because when tech wins, I say this all the time, food tastes better, the sky shines brighter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can go anywhere with my tech stuff on. I walk. I'm six foot five, 350. So I walk around and I'm like, yeah, man, that's my school. When we lose and we're struggling to beat, no, four of them. I'm like, bro, I'm gonna go ahead and order in, man. <laughs> I'm staying inside. <laughs> now I know Dwight, I, I I agree wholeheartedly, and I think Sam would share that sentiment. I mean, there is nothing better in the world than when Virginia Tech football wins and you got the rest of the week to mm-hmm. marinate and celebrate mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. victory. You're talking all that smack in the office wherever you are. It's it's the greatest. There's no greater yep. feeling in the world. Yes, yes, yes. As <laughs> yes. so it's uh, I love what you just said because this feeds into my next question. You just said that you're you know, you're proud to be an unofficial ambassador for Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, What's your sales pitch to any high school athlete who might be considering Virginia Tech? Um, you could, you know, I, I was, uh, that's actually a good question. So you guys ask great questions. I was um, involved in, uh, in a, when I say involved, because of the football camps I used to do in the state, I had guys like Greg Stroman, Tim Settle, uh, Josh Sweat, uh, Deshaun Hand, um, a lot of guys, um, Jalen Holmes, uh, that were involved in my college prep world series, the football camps. Um, CJ Revis, my guy, was there. And they would ask me, why I tell her, um, asked me one time, because he was a heavy UVA lean. He came to my camp uh, the summer of his junior year, going to a senior. And why I tell her says, um, hey, Vic, you know, um, I like Mike London a lot. And I said, he's a good guy. I said, he's a great guy. And I said, you should. And he's like, but you know, you play for Beamer. Um, why should I choose tech? And I said, well, you know, while I don't get involved, but I'll say this, I love Beamer because I love Virginia Tech. He gets it. And I said, he's a man of faith too, like London is, and he also cares. Now Beamer is retired, you know, and it's now a prize show. But if you're a recruit, especially if you want to find a place where you're going to be comfortable and you're going to have a great experience, you should choose Virginia Tech because the program cares about its players and the alumni cares about its players. I played in 98 and 99. I graduated May 99, right? Um, And when I go back, I still get pictures, sign autographs, and get hugs and free chicken wings at tailgates. Um, I still get featured on tons of radio shows and podcasts, and I play in the late 90s. So if you're a guy looking for a home in tech, you want to be appreciated, and you want to be immortalized, especially if you become one of the greats, tech's your place. It's a unique place. And you're going to find home. I was recruited heavily, Miami and all those other schools, Notre Dame. But, you know, tech just feels right. So, I mean, it's not for everybody. But for recruits, I tell you, Pryor and them are going to take care of you. J.C. Price is going to take care of you. Um, and that's the truth. Pearson Price is going to take care of you. You know, and that's the truth. And a lot of these schools is not that way. Does Ohio State have a great alumni base, a great a great culture. Absolutely. I love and respect that red and whatever they call it and gray. And I think their stadium is, is phenomenal. And I'm glad we beat them that one year down there in the horseshoe. But at the same time, Virginia Tech, you know, when they say this is home, I'm going back there for the spring game and it just always feels right. And I get my best sleep in Blacksburg. And here's the great thing about it. 
those guys I mentioned just a few minutes ago, like Josh Sweat, Derek Nadi, that was at my camp, Deshaun Hand, all those guys that uh, chose Ricky Slade Jr. who went to Penn State, Tech was his second choice. It was Penn State, Florida State, and Ohio State was their, their choices. But they all will tell you they love Virginia Tech. Dre Bly still talks about how Tech was his second choice uh, behind UNC, and he loved Steinsford. He loved the university. This is Dre Bly um, coaching at one of our rivals. So I would just tell recruits, go visit. Tell me how you feel. Tell me how the, tell me how the air smells. Tell me how people treat you when you walk across uh, the campus. Tell me how you feel when you're in Southwest Virginia. Yeah, you might be from New Jersey or you might be from Florida, but I guarantee you're going to love it. Because think about this, guys, and I tell recruits this. I grew up in East End, Newport News, in Hampton, Virginia. Very urban, very, very rough in some places. You get your face smacked, you go into the wrong neighborhood, right? Guys like me and Ronyo Whitaker from places like Norfolk and Newport News and guys from Richmond and guys from Dade County, South Florida, come to Blacksburg and love it. <laughs> they love it. I mean, think, and that is a true college town. So why wouldn't you love it? And here's the thing, you know, Grayson, I think guys that back then loved it, the new generation, they feel the same way. I think the difference was they didn't really know what the vision was. They didn't connect all the way. I think these guys now that are going to be start to come, they're going to connect because there's a purpose there. There's a vision and a plan in place, right? So we always go back to our favorite restaurants, just like I always check out some of the Saturday when I want to get my podcast fixed because it's great material. It's a great show. So I'm going to keep listening the same way if Virginia Tech gives those kids what they need on top of being comfortable and having wins, they're going to connect and keep coming. So that's what I'm going to tell those guys when they ask me. And I'm a great recruiter. I gave you guys Greg Stroman. I gave you guys Tim Seto. I gave you guys Michael and Marcus. I gave you guys, uh, who else? Uh, uh, Chiron Stiff, you know, <laughs> Lee Suggs. So I got a great track record. Well, well, on behalf of Virginia Tech fans everywhere, thank you. Because <laughs> those are some those are some legends that you uh you just mm-hmm. just mentioned in the in the Virginia Tech football world. Um we can kind of transition here, uh, Dwight. While you know, I I know you valued your time on the football field and those experiences as three-year letterman playing for Coach Beamer. Uh, I know your education is something that you valued equally. Mm-hmm. Uh if my research serves me correctly, you received both a bachelor's degree in sociology and in family and child development. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, what made you choose those areas of study? And why was it important for you to eventually go back and get master's degrees from Liberty University in 2010? My mom and dad, not that they told me I had to go back. but And by the way, I wanted to get my master's from Virginia Tech, but the program that they had and false church was going to take me too long. So I went online and went to the Liberty. It was a good, it was a good experience. Um, it's not tech, but it was a great, it was a great experience. But um, I never planned growing up to get four degrees, but I knew after my playing career was over, I wanted to be a mental health clinician. I wanted to be a licensed therapist. It's crazy because I knew that you don't really see too many men in that field. You don't see too many black men in that field. Mental health is not embraced by the black community. It is now, but it took a long time. So for me, uh, as much as I love the 757, I did grow up and experience a lot of trauma. Um, I saw guys get shot. 
Um, I saw areas in my communities where there was drug dealing going on. Well, I had a great life. Mom and dad still together. My sister had a great life. I'm not, I didn't grow up scared. When I say trauma, I'm referring to issues that affected my community that some people living in Northern Virginia cannot relate to where I live now. But at the same time, I wanted to be part of the solution. Anybody that knows me knows I want to be part of the solution. I want to figure out how I can help, whether it's donating my time, my prayers, my money, my passion, my insight. I'm going to do that. And when I was at Virginia Tech, man, you know, Beamer told me you can come up here and get a great education. So when you're at Virginia Tech, you're there all the time as an athlete because you've got summer sessions, spring sessions, and you realize if I go home and gain too much weight or I get out of shape, I'm going to die. So I stayed there every summer and I ended up finishing one of my degrees early. So I ended up saying, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to get another degree. <laughs> and I got a sociology degree. And then I knew as my playing career was going to come to an end, because it'll come to an end for everybody. Some guys don't, and women don't realize what they want to do. They struggle. Well, I knew I wanted to be a clinician. I wanted to be in the mental health profession. So um, the time came, I went back to school because I needed to get that master's degree to get licensed. And I got two of them. So I always joke, I always say I have four degrees, three kids, but one wife. <laughs> you know, but uh, to keep it real, though, it was one of those things where I just was locked in on just being more than an athlete. And um, my mom raised me that way. You know, my mom and dad both to be more than an athlete. You know, um, you know, I've done so much in my life so far as the radio host. You know, I did the ESPN3 spring game as an analyst in 2013 for Virginia Tech. You know, I've done speaking engagements at Penn State, Virginia Tech, other universities across the East Coast. Um, I do presentations at school. So my degrees give me credibility and credentials, but my passion and my insight give me the consistency to provide that that I do now and to help these young men and women. And um, I'm always going to do that. I'm always going to do it. The degrees, you know, education is important, but I don't think you have to go to college to be a, a successful person. That was just my path. You know, if it's a vocational track, if it's, uh, you know, you know, you want to go and, and trade school or you want to, um, you know, be an entrepreneur, do it. You know, so for me, it was just, following a dream, even though I wanted to have a long NFL career like Wyatt Teller and all these other guys, a lot of us are still successful. And I just want fans to remember that. I know they know that about me, but there are a lot of guys out here. Melendez Bird is a PhD professor at Norfolk State. He played in the late 80s. And um, we have a lot of guys uh, that are coaching, Devon Morgan and Justin Harper, Darrell Roberts. So after that career is over, to me, the measurement of success for those guys that went through the Blacksburg Virginia Tech football program is look what they're doing now. Look how many guys are doing very good things in their communities. Um, I can't never pronounce it, but the UT prosum, whatever, the <laughs> mantra that we practice, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's evident for so many former players and what they're doing right now, not just in playing football, but in coaching and community service. So um, yeah, but I take pride in those four degrees, man. Actually, um, here shortly, um, I'm going to be starting my doctorate. So I always like how Dr. Vic sounded. You know, there Dr. is a doc, there is a Dr. Vic out there. If you Google him, he's a white dude. I think he's on the West Coast. So um, he already has that distinction, but I'll be the first black Dr. Vic. <laughs> I like that. You got to change yeah, the Twitter yeah. handle when it's time. Dr. Vic. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt, man. <laughs> so with that in mind, uh, just 
for those who don't know, what is Victory Life and how did it come to be? When, when did you kind of decide, you know, this this is it, this is what I want to do with my life? Um, it started with a vision, Victory Life. I had an, I was a business owner before uh, Victory Life. I had a business partnership called College Prep World where I was doing the camps and things like that, her working with student athletes. I had the curriculum that I have now with mental health, but that wasn't the focus. And um, I was sitting several years ago, probably for uh, comparatively speaking, for reference points, probably during the um, um, the Tyrod Taylor era or Logan Thomas era, I was sitting home one day and the Victory Life name came to me. I just liked the way it sounded, Victory Life, um, with my name in it. Not because I'm an egotistical maniac. It's more so because if you look it up, there are a lot of Victory Life churches and youth centers or whatever, but none of them have the V-I-C-K. So I was like, ah, I'm going to keep it. And I got it trademarked a couple of years ago. But it came to me because I was in a partnership with um, another Virginia Tech graduate named Eric Thompson, a guy named Raymond Washington, who lives up here in Northern Virginia, and another guy named Reggie, Reginald Walker, who was a Penn State graduate. We had a partnership. But those guys were committed, but not like me. So I felt, okay, let me learn as much as I can with these guys, because they're still my guys. But I wanted to step out on my own. At the time, I was writing a column for Rivals, and I ended up writing for 247 with my guy, Evan Watkins, and those guys. And then eventually, it came the right time. I moved into a new home um, in Gainesville, Virginia, Prince William County in 2017. And everything came at the right time. I got a trademark, well, trademark later, but I started my LLC. And basically, Victory Life is my, my practice. It's my business. We have two businesses, a 501c3, Victory Life through sports. And then we have Victory Life, which is um, a business where I do parent coaching, mental health groups, individual outpatient therapy, family therapy, counseling, and mentoring. So I do, it combines all my talents. And then the reason why I have the Victory Life podcast and all those different things, because in branding, you want to keep everything connected. Um, and I never, ever felt like I wanted to be boxed in. Don't tell me I'm just a football player. Don't tell me I'm just a therapist, you know, because I wear many hats. You know, some days I'm a basketball coach because I have, you know, three AAU programs. Some days, um, you know, I'm a media mogul or personality on Twitter, running my mouth, just talking trash. But Victory Life is my passion. It's my business. But basically, leave a legacy is what you guys are doing. You know, Sam and Grayson, you know, 15 years from now, people are going to talk about all the great guests that you had on your show and how Sons of Saturday connected thousands of tech fans every week throughout the season and after and, and you guys are going to have a brand, and that's your legacy. You bring fans together. Even if we lose together, hearing Grayson spaz on Billy about, you don't know, you don't know, you weren't around. I remember that episode. That's 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 <laughs> part of it. I remember that. And I was at in my truck like, thank you, Grayson. Thank you. <laughs> you know, the but that's the legacy. Hear it. He had to hear it. I he had to hear it. it. I played it back, bro. I played it back. Um, but real talk, all jokes aside, uh, it was just one of those things, man. I just, I've been blessed to do it. And it's doing very well here in Northern Virginia. You know, I do a lot of stuff with high schools and the middle schools, uh, symposiums and, and groups and, 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 you know, just helping really, man, I don't, it, it's, it's mental health, but it's counseling and it's mentoring. It's just a holistic approach of getting everybody to reach their full potential and be successful, whatever it is, whatever it is. So I wake up every day with a purpose and passion. And I live that to the best to the fullest.
That's awesome. And it's, you know, one of those things where you saw a need and you took all the steps to, you know, go say, all right, how can I, how can I support people? How can I make this work? And uh, that's very empowering. And it's a great role model uh, for, for me, for Grace and for so many people who kind of gave you the inspiration to, to kind of start on that career path, because it is, it's quite unique. It's a combination of like, you know, going to school to get science degrees and entrepreneurship and, you know, just how did you, how did you get started there? Who inspired you to go down this path? Oh man. Number one, first and foremost, God gave me the vision and gave me the strength, but also man, my parents and I say this all the time, man, we get inspired every day, man. Um, so I have a long list. I'm not going to name them all, but throughout our journeys in life, you guys are much younger than me, but you guys are inspired every day without even knowing it. If you see somebody being successful, you're going to take a piece of what they do. So whether it was a janitorial staff, an assistant principal, um, a coach, um, all those people I, I've, I've encountered in my life on earth inspired me. You know, um, believe it or not, man, I take from everybody. I take from everybody. I used to watch The Apprentice, yes, with Donald Trump on there. And I used to take little things and take stuff from his show, those little projects he did. And I had, I had an internship program for three years with high school students. And I gave them similar projects. You know, I didn't have people like meatloaf on there, all that crazy stuff, but I had different things. So honestly, it was an episode on television. It was Coach Beamer. It was Coach Mike Smith. It was Coach Mitchell. It was my father and mother. My father is a PhD. My mother has been teaching in education collegially, middle school-wise, and high school for over 40 years. It was my teammates. It was, it was other successful people. I take from everybody in a good way. Um, so the vision came to me. My passion and purpose has always been there, but even my days of living in collegiate suites and Fox Ridge and Terrence View, I'm a talker. So I would see somebody in a dining hall and just talk to them. Professors at Virginia Tech, Dr. Jones, who was my psychology professor, still at Virginia Tech. I took from him. Anybody I saw that was successful, I took from, I stole from, nothing illegally, but visions and passion and success, I would take from them and just put in my pocket. Um, like I said, I, I, I just want to be successful. Um, even hip hop artists or countries, Western singers, Cal Bailey helped me, Danny Noakes. Um, gosh, uh, Dr. Jefferson, who was my clinical supervisor, D Melendez Bird, who played in the late eighties at Virginia Tech, came back as when he was playing in the CFL, pulled me to the side. Um, and he said, hey man, you are so much more than a football player. So he would invite me to speak at high schools. He was working at in Newport News, Virginia during off weeks or off and during the off season. And I began to build my network and just, I mean, I, I learn all the time. I learn from you guys. I learn from Don V. Um, I'm never going to be bigger than anyone else. I know I'm very well loved and respected, but I'm never going to carry myself like I'm better than anybody. So that humility I live with really gives me the passion and insight on how to keep that work-life balance and keep being creative in my approach and always building on my brand and building on my relationships, man. So there's no one person it's a collective group, you know, it's just you, know, you meet somebody at the spring game and you kind of just hear them talk about what they're doing. And also, finally, to wrap up this answer, I learn from other people's mistakes. I see how greed and cockiness and arrogance has hurt a lot of people. So I look at humility. I look at people and, you know, um, I remember my cousin, Mike, when he was locked up, we wrote each other a few times. And he wrote me a letter how, you know, he was talking about, he apologized to me. He said, you know, I, looking back, I wish I listened to you. 
And that was important for us both because him and I have just such a special bond. And it was one of those things where it kept me in a place where, okay, people are always watching you and listening to you. And he's also in a situation where I knew he's going to get out of, but he wants to make better with his situation. So you learn from choices and mistakes, good and bad. It's not just, some people get on these shows like this. Well, you know, man, I did this and I had a vision board and I, 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 it ain't about I, it's about we and my village, my wife. I mean, I've been married 20 plus years, bro. I met my wife at Virginia Tech, volume two bookstore. She was a dime back this is a dime now, but most importantly, she gave me the vision. She told me the night before the draft, guys, it's only the night before the draft, because I was anxious, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers and the Patriots had called for my paperwork. Mike Goforth told me that, right? And she told me before I left to go to Hampton to watch the draft at home, she said, I want you to get drafted. I want you to play in the league, but I know God has a bigger purpose for you. And if you play in the NFL, you're going to do more for people than you will for a team. And I resented her in the beginning because I was like, damn, you don't think I'm going to get drafted? You don't believe in me? But she got emotional. She said, no, you just have a bigger purpose. So she saw it even back then. That's why whether you're dating or you're engaged, you're married, you better have people around you, a village, a network that always push you to be great. And I'm always looking for people like yourselves to help me be great. You know, I learned from you guys, David Till, everybody out there, man. So sorry for the long answer, Sam, but it's, you know, it's just a collectiveness or collective group of people. Dwight, you're the man. Like, can I just say that? Can I can I just say that? You're you are the man, man. You got to figure it out. Um, yeah. I mean, that that is awesome. I absolutely, you know, love that answer. And you know, Sam, that, that was an awesome question, man. Um, what we're gonna do, Dwight, is we're gonna move into rapid fire. We're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna do these these quick questions, uh, man, just to learn a little bit more about you um so you know we'll, we'll ask it and and first thing that comes to mind uh so first one favorite blacksburg restaurant you're in town where are you going mm, sharkies all right love that answer what do you get at sharkies <laughs> what's uh wings. what's like wings what kind of wings wings oh if, i think they still have them the uh, honey barbecue okay um yeah. or, and garlic parmesan you gotta yeah. try the uh coach cheetah wings at pk's now oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah 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 <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm sorry. PK's is 1A. <laughs> their wings, their yeah, wings are so one. good. Mm-hmm. Their wings yeah. are so good. Yeah. yeah. And that's no disrespect to Sharkies, but I, I honestly no. believe that PK's no, actually, has wings in Blacksburg. I'm switching my answer. I forgot about PK's. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I'm switching my answer. So Sharkies is 1A. <laughs> PK's. Yeah, you got it. I always go to PK. Yeah, yeah. PK's, that's, that's mm-hmm. Blacksburg staple. Uh, and McAdoo's this- is third. Love McAdoo's. (laughs) Love McAdoo's. Uh, Favorite, just, you know, favorite Virginia Tech football memory. Is there anything that, you know, that's funny that happened? Any, you know, any anecdotes? It's it's, it's rapid answer, so I can't give you all the funny stories. When we hang out one weekend, I'll give you a bunch of stories, unedited versions. But um, Copy that. Favorite memory, um, some of them I wasn't even at Tech, but just the ones I was at Tech, the 95 Sugar Bowl run. airplanes, rides, traveling with my teammates, um, farmhouse dinners, movie theaters with my teammates, movie theaters with my teammates, hanging out with them. We used to watch the movies. And then um, the UVA win um, in uh, 95, 
And then the, my uh, last game in Blacksburg, well, my last game ever as a Virginia Tech Hokie, beating Alabama 38 to 7 in the music, in the inaugural Music City Bowl. Al that was Clark. Just, yeah, that was just phenomenal, man, because they were talking so much trash. Alabama, even back then, SEC, SEC, and I was like, bro, we smacked worst balls, worst bowl game loss in their history. Um, and also beating Miami four straight years, beating Miami four straight years. Yeah. When, when, when's it. the last team to do that? It's probably, you know. I don't think it's ever happened. I think it's just us. And, yeah. I think, no, we beat them five. We beat, we beat Miami five times. And I believe uh, Florida State did as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I don't know, but we owned them back then. They finally admitted that we were their rival too, because they did not want to give us respect. So, <laughs> and we beat, we beat Ed Reed and Ray and yeah. Ray Lewis was on, on the show with me and Mike. He remembers all of that. He does. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Favorite Virginia Tech football uniform over the past 20, 25 years. Oh, y'all doing that? Oh, yeah, oh, we're doing man. that. <laughs> we're doing that. Oh, man. I, you know what? I know it. It's, oh, gosh. All Maroon never gets old. Matter of fact, the ones they had last year, this past season, uh, the game Malik went off the running back. I think it was against Syracuse. We lost that one. Should have won that one. But those uniforms, oh my God. Like they had me like uh, I mean, they had me like they had me at hello, bro. Like it was like uh just euphoric for me. And then also the Boise State. I know there's some old school hokies that hated them, but them boys, Boise State, mm-hmm. the ones that the all black with the orange, bro. When yep. LeBron when, when LeBron James tweeted those uniforms, tech is wearing a sweet. I was in the stadium for that night at FedEx. Those are, they're still golden to me. And then the last one is the uh, Hokie Stone Grays. We wore against Georgia Tech on Thursday night when Logan Thomas was the quarterback. The, the Hokie Stone Grays were sweet. The helmets or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they were sweet. Yeah. I yeah. think, I, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in the man's mouth. I don't think Pat Finn liked, liked those helmets. And I, or maybe it's Billy Ray. I, I, one of them doesn't like, didn't like those helmets. I, I heard those it. Helmets, I heard it. Yeah, those I heard helmets. Them. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, yeah. Those the helmets Hulk, yeah. were awesome. The Hulk, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hulk, it was not the jersey. It was just, it was the uh, helmets. They, I, I got so many texts that night. I just like when we switch it up like that. I get it that there's some traditionalists, but them Hokies, them Hulk, I would man, I need to get me one, man. Um, the, yeah, they were dope. The uh, I'm I'm with you in the camp. I'm I'm not sure how you feel about it, Sam, but the the black Boise State uniforms fresh to death i mean like you're a hate you're a hater if you don't like those uniforms uh a a lot of you're right a lot of you know old school hokies just didn't like them Uh, i I talked to clark ruland and he was like i guess people didn't like them because you couldn't see the numbers and i'm like who cares they were sweet about that man only thing only thing thing better if we had just won that game and finished that would have been even better that's top three worst virginia tech losses for me i mean just no doubt i i I get (laughs) talking about that game um Favorite Coach Beamer-ism, if you will. Like, anything. <laughs> I got it. I got intelligent recklessness. <laughs> intelligent re- I've never you know, heard that bro. Yeah, man. Listen, he got a bunch, too. But intelligent, I mean, go, man, go is a great one. Get after you. Never gets old. I still say that and jokingly. But my first year, my redshirt year, which for quarterback travel, their redshirt year, but other than that, you don't. But I traveled my red shirt year four or five games because one of the guys in front of me got hurt. 
So I had not been around it. I was the young kid, just happy to be on the team. And we, you know, he would do the Lord's prayer. And then um, he would just get up and say, I want, you know, I can't remember everything verbatim, but he would just say intelligent recklessness. Let's play with intelligent recklessness. And uh, I was looking around like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> but once I got on the, on, the, on the sideline and saw that defense play, I knew exactly what it meant. But Beamer, man, he's got a bunch, yo. Um, but intelligent recklessness is my go-to. That's mine. <laughs> That's an incredible one. I'm going to be looking out for intelligent recklessness from the defense this year. All right, so let's say you are the offensive coordinator this year. You guys, mm. first play of the season against Old Dominion. You have to set the tone for the year. What play are you calling? Uh, I'm going to take a page out of Mike, Mike and Deshaun Jackson's book. I'm going uh, stretch play, play action. Uh, you know, um, 47 stretch play action where you fake the stretch you rolled opposite and you hit whoever the receiver is. I, Trey Turner's gone for a deep one. Just set the tone that you are coming here to bust your ass. Real talk. Like, like that's my play. I'm, I'm, I'm not coming out here doing 34 dive. I'm not coming out here doing, you know, shotgun, you know, turn around and hand off out of the pistol. I'm coming out like, I remember that game. I referenced Mike because I was at the hotel the night before. And uh, Mike was like, cuz we got something for him special. And he kept saying it. And, um, he was like, we're gonna hit him, we're gonna hit him with something special. And he would not tell me. And I think finding out later, Andy Reid wanted no one to say anything. But that's the game Mike went off and got his jersey placed in the Hall of Fame for the NFL because he was on one that night. He was, believe it or not, he was just he could have scored every time he touched. It's just he was in his own, like you are in basketball. So I would do the same thing at ODU. You know, they're gonna be loud and waving their white towels. Um, and I would come out and just just let them know we we here to bust you up, you know. But that's gonna be a special day for me too, because my daughter got into Virginia Tech. She got into like seven schools, but she's going to ODU, so that'll be her freshman year. And I told her, I said, "Yeah, we coming for blood," and she's laughing at me. But yeah, that's my play, um, Sam. I'm coming to play action, going deep. Just set the tone, man. We did oh, that man. at UVA. We did that at UVA the year Logan Thomas. We played down in UVA to uh to win the coastal when they had a um, good team and we had um, Jared Boykin and all those guys, Marcus Davis and everybody. And we went deep on the first play or the other year when we were playing for the coastal and we forced UVA on a three and out and Beamer, Justin Harper caught the ball and did that little fake reverse punt. And we went up the sideline and got in the red zone and Tyrod scored subsequently a few plays after. I believe in setting the tone in big games in football. I, that's my play. Sorry for the long answer. I know it's rapid fire, but I'm going to play action deep right set, off the top. Set, set Love the it. Tone. Love set it. The tone, put it on a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So big plays. What's on Dwight Vick's playlist? What kind of music do you listen to? Who's, who's, who's in like top five on the Spotify playlist? Oh, y'all getting deep. Um, I'm always going to go to 90s hip hop, but I love some of the new stuff now too. I mean, I'm not a hater. Like I said, I know I'm older. But I, I love some of the new stuff, too. So, like, you know, I'm always going to go Nas and Jay. Nas is my favorite rapper. We should have same birthday, September 14. But I also, and, you know, I'm, I said I'm, I'm 90s forever, Wu-Tang. But at the same time, I like, I like, I like what uh, J. Cole has always been about. Um, I don't know which baby it is. I get the babies, all them little, they're the baby, all confused. But I like a lot of that stuff, too. Um, I'm just hip-hop. Um, but I like R&B. 
I'm you believe it or not, I'm very versatile, man. I, I'm diverse. When you go to school like Virginia Tech, you know, I used to be in Dietrich and 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 uh all those different dining halls, you hear the stuff playing, man. So like I would hear stuff back in the day, you know, Coldplay and Stain and all them different bands. So um, I like all types of music. I don't limit myself, believe it or not. If you get in my truck, you might hear everything. But I always, my go-to to get me going is definitely going to be 90s hip-hop, you know, Jada Kiss. But at the same time, um, I like the new guys now. I love Rick Ross and, you know, J. Cole. Uh, I got to be in the mood for Kendrick Lamar. Um but I see Don V post about stuff and I'll listen to the same. I'll go and I say, I like some of that stuff too. But I know my lane too. I don't want to be, I'm not close to 50, but I don't want to be that 55 year old riding around in my suburban listening to some of the stuff that did, that my son and his teammates listening to, even though some of that stuff goes hard. But I can't play young boy and then go provide therapy because I might choke, the, choke my clients. <laughs> but. <laughs> But um, no, man, I, I I'm I like you know I'm I'm a musical guy. I love I love music, man. Um, yeah, I love music. Uh, Dwight Vick's favorite movie. Mm. Can't do it. Can't do it, Grayson. Because I well, oh my. So I got two genres I always go to, and that's comedy, sure. comedy, and 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 drama. But you know. I don't have a favorite, but if there's, I mean, I love comedy. I love Step Brothers, Bad Santa, you know, I mean, anything. I love to laugh. So I can't give you a favorite movie, but comedy and and um, when it comes to movies, I'm always going to watch stuff like Goodfellas, The Godfathers, uh, Donnie Brasco, um, all those movies when, you know, uh, Heat. Um, anything with, with, with Pacino and De Niro or guys that, um, um, I just love gangsta. I don't want to call it, but like those kind of movies, gangster movies, they just always sure. get me like, Oh, the, the departed, you know, yeah. just stuff like, I mean, those, you know, what this actually be a good Twitter thread in the off season when there's nothing to talk about, get everybody's feel. Cause you should start it or we should start it together because I can go on and on, but I like movies like that. I don't really have like, um, I mean, I have like the color purple, which is more of a tragic type movie. Um, that's a deep movie, but I just I'm a movie guy. So there's no, I mean, like if there's movies on, like sometimes, man, as much as I play fantasy football, if the games are dry, I'll pop in the movie. I go to Netflix or I go to my DVR. But yeah, man, um, I don't big have a really guy. yeah, big comedy. Big like comedy. I love to I'm a big comedy guy. Like I love to laugh, man. Um especially in the kind of work I do, I deal with some really tough stuff sometimes throughout the week and I need to laugh. I don't need to, you know, I don't do horror movies. I don't get, I don't get it. I don't know why you're going to be in a house. If I'm sitting in the crib and something moves, that's not supposed to move. We're, I'm never coming back. I'm never coming back. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not getting, I'm not getting possessed, man. Like even if my daughter started acting funny, she got one time, bro. And she's going to be, she's going to be put in the system. I'm not dealing with demons, man. I'm not dealing with demons, you know. And you know, the showers, the showers coming on. I ain't doing all that. I don't do hard movies. I don't get it, you know. Annabelle and dolls and all. I don't. Yeah, I miss me with all that BS, man. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Dwight Vick's favorite beverage of the adult variety: Hennessy, 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 and Southern Comfort. Not together, but Hennessy and Southern Comfort are two. Uh, my drinks. Um, I just like Hennessy, um, Hennessy and Coke. Um, just like a good dark liquor. 
Uh, I'm a chill dude. I'm not much of a drinker though. Um, I, I I drink occasionally. You know, um, my wife. You know, she's a you know she can drink. You know, um, but I'm not one like you know. If you guys say, hey, Vic, let's have a drink. I'm a, I'm drink with you. I'm gonna grab a Hennessy and Coke. But um, you know, being at Tech, I was at Tech for six years because I came back after I got cut. I was a strength and conditioning coach with Mike Gentry and those guys, Keith Short and everybody, and 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 Coach Witten. And um, you know, I was at Tech a long time, so I saw a lot of people getting wasted on many weekends and weeknights. So I mean, I, I'm a chill drinker, but Hennessy and Coke, Hennessy and Southern Comfort are my drinks. Yeah. All right, this is our last rapid fire, and then we got a couple of quick letters from the lunch pail before we wrap this up. Uh, last rapid fire. I'm, I'm, I'm going to see if you can – let's see if we can get, like, a one-liner that people can take with them. Best advice you've ever gotten. Hmm. Best advice ever gotten. Oh, my God, Sam. You should have texted me that before the show. Good Lord. That is – that is – well, <laughs> I will I will say this one. That was uh, – Grayson wrote that question. I'm just asking. Oh, Grayson. Um, good. That's Man. a tough one. Mm. Um, it doesn't even have to be the best advice you've ever gotten. It could also just be, you know, just kind of a, it's something that someone wisdom that someone's imparted to you that you kind of carry with you, I guess that you, you know, um, what did Beamer say? Trees for like, I don't know if he said, don't act special. People would treat you special. That was a good one too, but I actually really live by that one. Um, I, I, I really, man, like, you know, um, put God first and walk in humility. Um, that's just what I live by. And that's what I've been told throughout my life. Um, watch when we get off this podcast, I have like four more. Um, but basically, I mean, you know, I've been told my whole life, man, is to, you know, put God first and walk in humility. And I don't want you guys to think, um, you know, some people are funny about spirituality or religion. This is not about religion. This is about spirituality. This is about just knowing that I've been through a lot, just like you guys have in different aspects of your life, different times in your life. But I wouldn't be here without, you know, being humble and being 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 someone that appreciates life. So, you know, just appreciate life, you know, walk in humility, man, and keep God first whatever your God is. Now, if you worship in cows and, you know, lambs and all that, you know, stay away from me. But I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking about the higher power. Sure. Okay. But, um, but yeah, man, I mean, I'll text you or next time we link up, cause I'm going to start getting guys like you on my, my platform too. So I may return the favor and ask you guys a question there like that. That's actually a great question, man. Absolutely. Um, no, I'm sorry. I stumbled. I fumbled a rock on that one, but I do live by that. And that's been advice I've been given, like, throughout my life. Uh, treat people with respect, you know, stuff like that. Respect others, you know. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Awesome. Uh, no, I, I, I think that's great. Humility goes a long way. I think we could all, mm -hmm. all learn a lesson about humility. Mm -hmm. um, letters from the lunch pail. We got two questions today. The first one's from Wayne Kent. He said he he writes in one thing you used to do to new freshmen when you were there. We won't call this hazing. I think that's called hazing. <laughs> yeah, because you can't you get in trouble now. We used to we used to. Yeah, if you look at the media guides, you will notice that Mike Vick and all those guys that came in with him. And, you know, you look at me 
and the guys that came in went, you know, I think Beamer and them and Bajan Berlin and those guys, you know, because of NCAA rules and parents being involved, you, you know, they stopped, especially with guys now with all these dreads and long hair, but we used to shave anybody's hair. I remember there was a crazy story. And I remember a crazy story. I remember a crazy night when uh, Carl Bradley and he's a big defensive tackle, a lot of EC Glass and Lynchburg. They came downstairs. We were shaving other guys' heads because up, upper class from global to the dorm, all the freshmen were staying at. We walk in with clippers and we just, boom, they didn't even know we were coming. We just made them just all get in the chair. And, you know, most of the time they were like, damn, you know, they would just sit down and do it. And then Carl Bradley, they were like, oh, he's upstairs. He's like throwing chairs like he's the Hulk. He's like, bro, y'all ain't cutting my hair. So me and Derek Smith, who's, you know, Derek Smith was with the Washington football team, the commanders. They were the Redskins back then. He's my, one of my best friends. And he lived with me for a few years, my roommate on the road. And um, he uh, was there with me. He was six, 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 seven offensive tackle. We walk upstairs and we told Carl, you could do it the, the, the hokey way or the hard way. We were ready to fight. Now imagine how big I am and Derek Smith and Carl Bradley, but you know, he got his hair cut that night. <laughs> and you know, I was, I was ready to throw hands, man. You know, it was a different time back then, man. You know, uh, you could do a lot of stuff. You cannot do any of that stuff now, man. You'd be on a Fox five documentary, bro. Oh, it's a, I'm sure you can tell a lot of stories off air too. Um, mm-hmm. As, mm-hmm. as most college, as most people who have been through college can as well. This one, we, we talked about how former players are kind of uh, they're having the zoom meetings with the, the current uh, coaching and staff members. And you guys are really trying to, you know, really become a bigger part of the, of the program. So we talked about that. Uh, this one's from Dave Perks. He asked about that whole process. I'm going to, I'll alter it a little bit since we already talked about it. What's the next step for you guys there? Um, and guess what's the next action step for you know, the group of alums? Uh, the biggest thing they want is we want, not me per se, but the biggest thing is um, the, a, a systematic approach with tickets. So they're working on getting that squared away. So we know who to contact for tickets and also having a space to convene for pregame and postgame tailgating. So that's that's on the horizon. And the other thing, and this might not fully answer this question, but hopefully it does, is the next step is just getting everybody back. Not so much for a big reunion weekend, but for the big games or just home games, getting everybody back at practices and stuff. So, um, you know, whether it's, you know, outside on the facility, on the, I mean, outside on the field or in the indoor facility, just getting guys back. That's the next step. There's some other stuff they listed. I'm sorry, uh, I can't remember directly, but I know it was like a list a mile long with different things coming up, you know, that we're going to be involved in. So fans should be excited. I mean, spring game week, you saw me tweet. Um, Devon Morgan's got some stuff going on with the monogram club with the, I don't play golf, but I'll be over there. But like, you know, Cam Chancellor's going to be there. Shane Graham and a whole bunch. I think, I got to talk to Mike. I think he may be in town. I'm trying to get him because he's got something going on with Fox Sports. But you will just let your listeners know what well, they'll be listening to this show now. Um, but you're going to see a lot of guys you haven't seen and guys, you know, you've been wanting to see back in Blacksburg now that prize the head man. And JC and those guys are supporting him. This is really great. Like the first thing Cheetah did when I tweeted one of his tweets, he gave me a follow back. I was like, not that I needed. I almost got like 10,000 followers. It's just more so when I said respect, man, you know, like just being connected, man. I don't need you. Look, man, 
I'm an OG. I love my life now. I'm blessed. I don't need anybody to to bow down to me. I don't I don't need to feel important. I had my shine. I had my success. And I'm still successful, but it's good to be connected to the program. You guys gotta understand something, this and your listeners should know this too. And I'm sure y'all know y'all see us on Twitter. Andre Kendrick and all these guys, D'Angelo Hall, you know, DJ Parker, Chris Ellis, so many guys, Bill Connolly, Jim Pine. When Tech's playing, we all stop. And if we're at a wedding or somewhere, we over here, we got our phone. You know, I was coaching a game one time and I had my ESPN app on, on my bag. And I kept checking it between timeouts and dead balls. I said, what's, what's the score? What's the score? You know what I'm saying? So when we lose, we get on these group chats and we go on the phone and we vent and we talk about what needs to be done for hours. So it's, it's real life. So you're going to have a lot of guys back in the bird, man. It's going to be a great time. I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, Pat, Bill and I are going to be there. Sam's going to be there. We're all going to be in town. Uh, we got, we got some announcements coming up regarding the spring game weekend. So stay tuned for that. Uh, awesome. with, with them, with the monogram club, Pat and Billy, Ray. I'm, I'm terrible at golf. Uh, Sam, are you playing in the monogram tournament? Are you going to play? Um, potentially. Yeah. If we can get a, I think me, Robert Irby and a couple other people are trying to get a, a foursome together for it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So those that, you know, Sam's going to be over there. Uh, I plan to be over there. I'm going to, I'm going to come out and, and support the, support the fellas, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, but to wrap this up, Dwight, thank you so much before we, before we let you get out of here, Sharky shout outs, anyone you want to shout out at all? Um, gosh, I've named so many people. Shout out to you guys for great work and great shows. Um, to all the tech fans that show me love and we debate and discuss every, all my followers and friends and, on Twitter, man. Some of you guys I've met in person, some of you guys I haven't yet. I appreciate all the love I get over the last several years. Um, I don't take it for granted. Shout out to my family. You know, we mentioned all the great things I've been able to do in my life. I wouldn't be there without my wife and three kids, Isaiah Vic, Sydney Vic, and Lauren Vic. Um, shout out to all my teammates and even the guys that played after me and before me, all the Hokie alumni, football players. Thank you for everything you did for making this one of the greatest universities and football programs in the country. Um, all my coaches have coached me, man. Thank you. Coach Mike Smith, Danny Mitchell, JB Grimes, Brian Stein spring. I love them. Love them both. JB Grimes. I'm praying for you. He's fighting cancer for the third time. If you kneel down before God, pray for him. He's a great man. He's beaten cancer two times already. He told me he's going to beat it again. All my old linemen out there, D linemen out there, the Jonathan McLaughlin's, the Jay Haygoods, the Luther Maddies on D line, uh, the Chris Malone's, Ty Washington, Derek Smith, all the, the big uglies, even though we big sexies. Um, you know, Hey Coleman, Lauren Lewis, Law Lou, everybody from the 90s and 2000s, man. Just shout out Hokie Nation, man. Everybody. Also, all the great podcast communities, man. Um, Don V and Drift, shout out to Sons of Saturday, Boundary. Uh, podcast, Rick, Rick, uh, Ricky LeBlue, Andy Bitter, David Till, Mike Barber, all you guys that get me on, man. Um, just shout out to everybody that's breathing right now, man. Everybody that got breath in your lungs, man. If you alive right now, you driving, you got this on your phone, man. Take a moment and just thank God that you're here right now, man. Enjoy this sunshine, man. Enjoy the fact that we got Hokie football coming in about five more months. We're going to be turned up at ODU. We're going to take over that stadium. And if you don't, if you ain't down with us, you're gonna get smacked. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
And with that, <laughs> that is all we got for y'all today. Dwight, thank you so much. Thank you, Dwight. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Sam, uh, you know, this was so much fun, y'all. Um, I think I think we all got to wrap it up. Uh, I'll give a, uh, a go Hokies, as always. Yes, sir. Call it the spring game, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs>